Guess who's back? Wow. Back again. It's Ben and Ems. We are back. We're back. It's season two. Season two, even though we never meant there to be a season one. What the heck happened to us in November? Did Um, we have a big pod falling out? Yeah, Yeah, no, we're still friends. We're still here. Well, we're lovers. We're more than friends. Still married. Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yeah, it has been a big, big break. It has been a big break, but we are staying back. Yeah. We are committed to the pod. The people who play pod is back. So the reason why we went on a unplanned hiatus, I think we just realised that we had three children and it was like the middle of a pandemic and we didn't have any childcare. Well, yeah, I just think editing a pod is a ball ache. Wow. wow. Sorry. Oh, did you not say that? <laughs> Oh, God. You can say that, but it should be a pleasure for our listeners for you to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Yeah, it is. I've got a funny relationship with podcasting because podding is great, but editing pods is not great because obviously you're listening to yourself. It's like. Oh, God, I couldn't do that. You'd never be able to edit a pod. No. I've got to take out all your ums and ahs. Well, today you're probably going to have to take out quite a lot of sneezes because I am in the depths of the fever of the hay. Yeah, again, like so many things, I can't relate to you on so many of your, your, the things that go on with you. Just being a woman. Yeah. (laughs) I I know that fever of the hay isn't exclusive to ladies. Does not discriminate by gender. <laughs> but it's yet another thing where you have to explain to me, this is what this feels like. Be glad that you don't have to go through it. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the story of my life is explaining things to you. Yeah, it <laughs> but... is. But it just reinforces my belief that, I mean, I, mean, I am living the dream. <laughs> well, so, good for you. I don't, don't want to rub it in your fevery face. But it's just yet another thing. Oh, it's a pain. It's a pain and it's so debilitating. And um, It makes you grumpy. It makes me irritable, so irritable. Toddler levels of irritableness. Because it's like having something in your head that's just like... you, it's like itching. It's like making you itch from the inside all the time, yeah. everywhere. Out your eyes, out your ears, out my nose. Oh, it's horrible. Anyway, I've put a call into the doctor and I have asked if I can have those mythical hay fever injections that everyone talks about but no one seems to get you want roids I don't really know what's in them just give me anything because like, this is not a way to live right now well I just think what would the side effects be sometimes the side effects can be worse I, to be honest with you, I would take anything that would improve your mood yeah <laughs> <laughs> your patience levels I've, I've, I've gone into negative. Yeah. Like, like they are below zero. Oh, when multiple Poor people... Phoenix. When multiple people ask me to do um, something at the same time, like anyway, that is like setting off a maternal rage bomb in me anyway. But normally I can just, you know, keep it together. But with hay fever, that is going off. That bomb is going off. I cannot cope with being asked to do this like multiple things at the same time yeah i mean phoenix asked for a bowl of super noodles yesterday and you flipped that tipped me that, that tipped you that right tipped over me. the edge <laughs> well he's, he's nearly 12 he can make them himself oh, 
I, I like making things for them. I don't mind. I quite like mothering. Yeah. Dad- daddering. You're so, yeah, you're... I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well... No, good luck good luck doing it to when they're 40 maybe that's let's face it that's probably because that's been my experience you had a lot of um yeah sort of servitude i get why she did it it feels nice doing everything for them i know that is bad isn't it we're gonna like because can you not grow up. can you not do that because well, I, I thought we'd balance each other yeah. out. so you they ask you for super noodles you bite their head off and i'm like yeah i'll make you them and so i'm a hero and they're like, oh, she just sneezes at us. <laughs> it's very important to me that they are independent yes. and can look after themselves and yes. can play by themselves, entertain themselves, make their own super noodles, wipe their own asses. Are you talking to me or the kids? <laughs> I'm semi-talking about you. <laughs> Sometimes in this family, I do feel like um, three point five. I'm the 3.5 kid. Oh, I don't know. You're very responsible and grown up when you feel like it. Really? Yeah, you are. You do. Example, please. Um, Just like sort of... Just the way I made those super noodles. (laughs) No, you are. You just, you're very, you're, I'd say you're actually more organised than me. Mm. Since you you quit the um, corporate world, you are very disorganised. Yeah, that's because I used to have people to help me keep keep me together. Yeah, you structured up the wazoo. Yeah, had like assistants and stuff. Yeah. Now I'm just sneezing. You're you're just a rudderless boat, just going around in circles. Sneezing, rudderless boat. No, the transition actually from going to work as part of a team to being on your own has been, I found it very difficult. I well, that, sometimes... That's what's so cool about a team. Yeah. I sometimes feel like a crazy lady in this office. You cannot offload. No. To anyone. No. So you have to do all the big, important, fun things, but then also... Yeah. Um, I was about to say you have to clean the bogs, but you, yeah. don't, <laughs> you don't have to do that. But you have to, just, yeah, like little things that maybe you might have given to like an intern before. Well, no, I do have people helping me. Like I have an assistant that helps with that sort of stuff. Oh, Ben, I can't do can't do the basic admin. I've moved on from that. Do you have a VA? Yeah, I have an awesome VA. A vir- yeah, because when that's a virtual assistant. Yeah, which but makes, they are human. Yeah, it makes it sound like they're sort of Siri. Yeah, because in my head it's just like what that what um, Ryan Gosling has in in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I'm gonna, which is like a sexy digital lady friend. <laughs> No, I have a VA, not a sexy digital lady friend. <laughs> I, yeah, do I have I, a sexy digital lady friend? God. Oh, God, you know that film, Her? Is it that oh, one? Oh, Falling, lo- falling oh, in Love with the OS. I watched that on but a plane and I felt like a pervert. But isn't that, like, I think we're, are we on the verge of that? I with, think it's probably already here. What with, you think people are in love with Siri? I think there's equivalents out there, yeah. There's definitely people out there bonking bots. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I think at the moment, Siri is very, and Alexa and all that jazz, they're very one way. They're very much, you ask a question, they will answer it. There's not... Yeah, you can't go to dinner with Siri. No, but there's not a conversation, is there? No. But then like, Phoenix, like, we don't really, um, in this household, I hate 
uh, Alexa and Siri. So they're turned off on everything. I think we might be one of the only family households that doesn't yeah, have no, 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 no. Uh, Christmas, voice At Christmas, we look around the tree in dread of anything that is the shape of an Alexa. Because, you know, there was like a couple of Christmas ago, it was like everyone was getting them. Everyone and, has them. Look, okay. Okay, rant. Right. I, I don't get it. It's what people thought the future was going to be. But it's rubbish. How does that save time? It's so... So what I think the problem... It's for grandparents. So I think the problem is with you sometimes is that because you basically still want to be going to Blockbuster Video and you so miss um, like analogue forms of tech. Analogue tech. No, but I love Sonos, yeah. but I like to do it on my phone. I don't want to speak No, to but it. I think it makes you, your deep relationship with that time and that type of technology makes you sometimes misinterpret the purpose of the future and newer technologies. The purpose of having like voice activated technology is so that you don't have to be on your phone and your screen as much. Whereas to put a song on, I have to like look at my phone and I appreciate the advancements of not having to do that through voice tech. So what are you saying that you actually want Alexa in this house? Well, I'm not, I'm not like passionate about it. So I know that you are passionate about not, what, what an episode to come back on. I know you're passionate about not having it, but I don't really feel passionate about having it. So I'm just like, meh. Alexa, play One Direction. <laughs> It Ale- never works. <laughs> Alexa, bring me my hay fever tablets. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. Get Alexa, it. call my sex bot. I feel it feels like what what people thought the future would be like in the eighties. Well, just voice activation. It, voice activation is only going to increase. So I encourage you. I don't want to walk around my house shouting to the walls to Alexa. Also, we've got, this is great, we've got a friend who, um, like, her partner, Alexa, listens to, and it doesn't listen to her, and that really makes me laugh. Yeah, only responds to a man's voice. Like, shouting at Alexa. Yeah, she's proper shouts at Alexa. God, has that basically meant that no one can call their child Alexa now? Well, I imagine if you've got a child that's called Alexa, and you had an Alexa, it'd constantly be going off. Kids, there's all these like um, trick ones you can do, isn't there? That you can ask it to fart, can you? Yeah, they love all that. Oh, I hate all that. Do you think anyone's ever called their kid Siri? I don't know. I actually don't have as much anger towards Siri. Why is that? Probably because I just hate Amazon. Okay, I'm going to move us on. Going to move us on. Oh man. Um, it's just a bit of context of time for anyone listening to this in the future. I know you love the future. We've it, just it had the thirteenth. Um, the thirteenth. So we've just had the platinum jubilee here in England. How was that for you, Ben? No interest, really. Um, I like the the bank. I like that people like it. Yeah. But um, you know, I don't. I'm not really. I'm. What's the word? Is apathy a word? Yeah. That's me, isn't it? Platy Is jubes. that when you don't really? I don't care, but yeah. then I don't, I don't hate, I don't love. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I don't. Because look, I, I, I can't really relate to the royal family. I, I don't have anything that anchors me to them. Yeah. I love that my mum likes it. Yeah. Lovely. I got quite into the platy-jube spirit once it was Did here. You? Well, I lo- well, I'm not so into the royal family. I'm also like you. I'm like, I really understand why people kind of protest and it feels 
this like disproportionate amount of power and wealth is just like crazy in everything that's going on today I really understand that but I also understand why other generations have this sort of deeper connection um for me it's very unpopular to be neutral these days but I just feel very neutral about it I'm like if you enjoy it celebrate it if you don't like it protest it i can see from both sides you didn't buy any bunting so you can't be that into it no i didn't mind bunting no but I, what i did get what i do like is when everyone is on holiday at the same time i love that that's what i like about christmas it's like as the sort of country shuts down um and i really like that and i love the whole street parties and um yeah just seeing people chilling and joyful and coming together that yeah, was really great. nice especially post-covid but maybe we could do that yeah without permission from the queen can we come together in other ways yeah yeah it's That's... even more inclusive yeah i take totally... i know you say that everyone gets involved but it's like well it's a, some houses on some streets yeah there. um not ours not ours <laughs> it turns out although we didn't organize one either so yeah. I, I went to other people's. I was actually acting like the Queen, just going round to other street parties. Yeah. It's, it's, as you said, it's nice to see older people being really into something. Because so often they're into bugger all. <laughs> wow. Well, no, it's like all of a sudden it's, it's some passion and some like, oh, there you go. That's what you're anchored to. Yeah. Now just respect that I'm not anchored to anything. <laughs> You're just floating around like a kite. And you are floating around now, Ben, because Scout has gone to nursery. Tell me about it. He just screamed. Oh I just God, did the drop. Traumatic. It was awful. Oof. Although I feel bad for not feeling as bad as I... I feel bad for not feeling as bad. As I used to. So with Indy, I would probably be in tears right now. Yeah. But I was younger. Um, now I just I hand him over... She takes him and I just walk off. Yeah. And same. then some of the other mums were like, oh, it's, it's awful. It's so awful. And I just said, oh, it's number three. <laughs> I was he's really lucky. upset he's, his he's first few times. Nappy. I was, yeah. I was upset still. It is brutal. Um, I don't know if he's the sort of kid that's ever going to love nursery. He's a real home bird. Well, he's had to be. Born at the start of the pandemic, he's had two full years at home first year was only with us really yeah and then second year um he's had a lot of one-on-one parent time so very different to the other two who were in nursery much earlier the other two were like past the pigs yeah <laughs> everyone would hold them cuddle them yeah carry them whereas i've definitely noted like you couldn't give scout to someone else no for a, a carry no give him he'd a lose head it. he'd lose it yeah but um, yeah, so I'm free now. Well, I'm free Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. You say that like you're uh, waiting for people to book in with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh God, I've got to like, what do I do now? Well, you make this podcast. It might be easier just to have another kid so I don't have to do anything. That's not happening. Oh God, okay. No, I mean, I don't really want a number four either, but I think I prefer raising humans to earning a living (laughs) (laughs) i would never be able to say that as a woman would you not i don't think so no i don't mean like from a benefits point of view (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just look raising children is so amazing on a 
primal level, mm. it makes you um, feel differently about the concept of like going to work. Oh, what? Because you're not getting as much back. Well, it doesn't fill your <clears throat> cup. Oh, I feel as the opposite. Much. I feel the opposite. Work fills my cup less than looking after Scout. Yeah, I feel really differently about that. What, work I... fills your cup more than your lovely children? <clears throat> sort of. Oh like, no, no. <laughs> let me no, Let me explain. Wait, well, it depends what cup you're talking about. Obviously, Cups everywhere. <laughs> obviously, the, the amount of like love and joy and good stuff... Yeah, I mean, that comes in abundance from the children. But in terms of like my own self-worth and how I feel like I'm sort of showing up in the world and being Emma, I get that more from going to work. And I'm very lucky because I have a job that I really enjoy and allows me to be creative and express myself. Whereas particularly the early years are not where I thrive as a mother. I feel like I'm much... Honesty. I'm much stronger in the like, um, that sort of like middle childhood, nine to 12, and they sort of tween years <laughs> when I can actually talk to them about their feelings. And yeah, like... you're good at that. But there's been some fun. We're trying to help Phoenix like learn how to revise at the moment. Oh, and you were like, I'm, I'm going to handle this. And it was basically just, a, it was just shouting and like your patience again. I was like, it's the hay fever. You are good with emotions. I'm very good with emotions. I'm and very, you're very, you got a lot of patience with that. I'm very good with life what coaching. What you don't like is, do you know what I think I've learned about you? You hate, is it, oh, how do you, is it domesticity? Domest- yes. Yes. Is that a word? Yeah. I hate like mundanity. God, how long, how many times do I say, is that a word? <laughs> domesticity you just hate it. yeah you're really good off piste yeah so if something big actually happened you would be able to tackle that in terms of like their emotions and yeah, stuff I eat that but up. if they require super noodles or they've <laughs> um lost their pe kit yeah bad yes but that's where i come in yes that's why we're a good it's team the division of labor <laughs> We have a song, don't we? And I'm we? more than happy to do all that other stuff. We have a song. Yeah, I've forgotten how it goes. It's but... the division of labour. <laughs> That's the song. That diffuses attention, doesn't it? It's it's funny because most lots of people would hate the emotional stuff. Yeah. And and be like, well, you know, I can definitely do the other bit. No, but you've hit the nail on the head there, and that sort of, a, but that very much aligns with who I am as a person because I'm like a really big thinker and I'm very good at perspective and um, thinking about, yeah, like the bigger picture and like what's Mm. most important. So you can really, I have this expression like getting down in the weeds of parenting. Like you can really just get lost down there. You can get lost in their PE kit. Yeah, you can. If you let those things like consume you um, and you let those like become your thoughts um, and it's very easy to, and that happened to me actually a while back and I just felt so not me. And all I was thinking about in my head was basically just like school admin, yeah, domestic stuff. And I just have to like let some of it go and yeah, sometimes get Don't... things wrong or not be organized. But that's the sacrifice I make in order to be myself, basically. Yes. Like, yeah. I, our parents would like from the outside looking in. I think they'd be like those guys are so all over the place like so disorganized but 
our children's brain boxes are very organized yeah they're very in touch with their um emotions they're very emotionally intelligent but you don't necessarily see that other other people just see like you've sent them in and they haven't got all their PE kit. Oh, it drives it's me, an outrage. It drives me mad because it's like, what even is a PE kit? What is it? It's just something that someone's made up. Like, a, you know how I feel about uniform. I just think you, we shouldn't be evaluated on... It's like perfectionism. This, this sort of like... This idea of like having everything in a perfect place. And there's so much you have to remember as a parent um, today. And it's just ridiculous. Like, you can't... You, there's no space to... Just be a person and like, I, I guess I, I miss a casualness to the whole kind of like parenting, school, like I miss a sort of flexibility in that that's just not there. It always feels so rigid, like, you know, if you haven't got this one thing, the whole world's going to fall apart. And that's just not what it's like when you're an adult. Like if you go on, um, I don't know, on holiday or whatever and you forget something, it's fine. Like you just figure it out and it just doesn't feel like that in the relation to like when you're looking after children everyone makes you feel like you always have to have all these like boxes ticked all the time and I just really reject that yeah that was good Ems jeez yeah so when you go you just go <laughs> you can you're very good at getting what's in your brain out of your mouth I have been told that um I'm not so good at that that's why that's why you do the super noodles and I do the emotions. Yeah. Well, so back to me and what I've got to do. Yeah, as I said, like when I was a younger man, um, editing and all of that stuff, my career was like a dream come true. And I just don't feel that way anymore because the reality is what I do um, re- requires lots and lots of hours of time in front of a screen. Yeah. But not passively like really wired in macro like you are in the weeds of it you're so wired in yeah it is not like um just write this email then then do this it's oh my god you are wired in bit like coding i think hyper focused yeah it's hyper focused until the moment you shut the the computer down yeah yeah i never I, i wouldn't even try and talk to you when you're editing that's what i mean and also it doesn't like, you can't really relax until the project's done. Yeah. You know? So, I, I don't know how thrilled I am about doing that, so I might just do something else. Well, we look forward to following <laughs> your career story, and you can keep us updated yeah, I'll do stuff on the for podcast. Yeah, I'll do stuff for you, but maybe it's time that I had a change. Yeah, I mean... I think I should be working with people. I yeah. like people. You don't like people. I like I them. love people. Yeah, but I you don't like talk like I really like just talking to people that I don't know or Don't say I don't like people on the radio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you're not good at like um cashier chat or What are you gonna get a job going around doing small talk? <laughs> You're talk. very good at small talk. You always say I'm bad at small talk, but as we've just discovered Emma, you are. that's because I'm so deep. I just want to like... What are you thinking about? The cat at the till? <laughs> well, what problems they've got, what they want to do with their life. I want to talk to them about that. Don't just assume they've got problems because they're working on Everyone the Everyone has problems. They do, Everyone has problems, no matter what your situation is. I had learned this expression the other day. Your biggest problem is your biggest problem. Yes. And that's true of kids, isn't it? When they... You, yeah. have, to, you have to understand that 
whatever they're going through at school or someone's done this, that's as big as, I don't know, you're struggling to, I don't know, pay yeah. a bill or something. Or, yeah. You know. Bigger, to, I'd to, say. To, to, to an extent, all problems are sort of equal because they're your problems. Yeah. And children, I think we forget children are um, self-directed so that everything is about them. And like we can interpret that as sort of selfishness, but that's just how their developmental stage. Because they're in a smaller box. Yeah, because they may have to be because they're not formed yet. So everything is kind of, you know, a reflection on them. And particularly when like Phoenix is approaching adolescence now. So it's very much like becoming aware of people have opinions on me and I'm kind of there in part of a, a social construct. And that when that sort of, kicks in and they realize that it's very very they're very self-consumed um and as a parent it's just it's really hard to remember that because it quite often just comes across as like you know they don't care about other people or they're really selfish but they're actually they they have to just focus on themselves actually i'd argue most people do as well and it helps you with other people but yeah i guess i i understand oh granny's ringing me um, I I fully understand that their school day is a, a lot harder than our day. Yeah, they, they are going through so so much. Not only are they working hard in terms of like the schoolwork, they are dealing with all sorts of narratives and things and everything that goes on at a school, especially a high school. Yeah, for Phoenix. So I don't have any expectations of him to. A, leave in the morning being like super jazzed. Yeah. And B, coming home being like the happiest thing. It's just not realistic. No. They've done a full day's work. Yeah. And, um, and they don't want to talk about it when they get in as well. Yeah. But once you, once you understand that, it does make life easier. Phoenix requires just 40 minutes before you can really like get into his day and what happened. If you just hit them straight away, how was your day? Was it great? Why aren't you happy? <laughs> it's like, no, they're yeah. little people. Well, we expect so much of children. We expect them to be these happy bundling around bundles of joy. But there's there's just, there is, as you say, there's so much going on. And I think it's quite hard to be children, particularly in this country. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of exams. There's a lot of big stuff happening in the world. And it's all it's all going on in there. Um yeah. Well, it's all going on on this pod as well. It's we all going just, on. We've been going for half an hour. We've taken people into the GP surgery. They've been into the careers advice. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even spoken about my running challenge. Maybe we'll do that after the interview. Emma, who have you got on? We have an amazing guest today. Um, on the pod today, we have Kate T. Parker. Kate is a mother, a wife, an Iron Woman, a professional photographer, a New York Times best-selling author who shoots personal projects um, and commercial work for her clients. Um, she is the author of Strong is the New Pretty, The Heart of a Boy, and her um, latest book, Play Like a Girl. Um, her work has been featured on a range of publications like the Huffington Post, to Vogue, shown on TV shows like CNN, Good Morning America, um, and she has launched a philanthropic Big arm of no Strong is the New means. Pretty, investing in children's health and education. She's an all-round awesome, awesome woman. Um, I love talking to her. Um, this book, Strong is the New Pretty, is really special to me and Indy. We had it... 
way before it kind of got into the um before it was cool before it was cool before it got into the sort of consciousness here in the uk i've always been a big fan of it and promoted it a lot um it's just i love it me and indy had so many good bedtime experiences going through the photographs of all of the girls um learning about them and it was just it's really nice to experience a photography book like that with a child it's so different to a bedtime story um like real kids doing their thing and the way that she's captured them um in her art is is just brilliant so i loved this chat because i am a genuine fan um of her work um yeah and so happy that Kate could join us on the podcast. Okay, let's have a listen. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, your books are really, really well loved in our house. I'm I'm just gonna put it out there and I reckon I was like one of the first people in England to get Strong as the New Pretty. Oh, <laughs> I, <nice>. was, <laughs> I was well ahead of the curve there. Um, I probably saw it on one of my US trips actually. Um, that's probably where I got it and picked it up for my daughter. And yeah, wow, we have spent a lot of time with your work. So I can't wait to dive into, uh, yeah, hear all about it. Oh, thank you so much. That that makes my day. Like hearing that, you know, people see it, respond to it, and then want to share with their kids is, I don't know, like the ultimate goal. Yeah, it, it's um, there's nothing like people sort of getting joy out of your work. There's no great feeling, and you've definitely done um, lots of that. So let's start off with um, just a bit about you. Would be awesome, actually. I always love to chat to my guests about how they used to play mm -hmm. as a kid and I really want to get stuck into the observations that you made through uh, mm -hmm. the children that you met in, in in the work that you've done but yeah I would love to hear were you always taking photos mm -hmm. as, a, as a little kid or um, kind of how did how did you like to play and, and where did you grow up? Oh so yeah I, I grew up here in the United States I actually grew up in New Jersey and um, no, I was not, I, I didn't pick up a camera until I had kids, um, but I, I played a lot of sports as a kid. I, I still, I played soccer through college. I still play soccer. Um, and I, I, you know, like I, I still think like my husband and I still make a game out of everything. Like every, mm. <laughs> I, we play games all the time. Like even in the car, we just take like the, um, like the, the, the sort of tuner on this, on the, and then just spin it. Um, and you have to, you can't look and you have to guess who the artist is. And we, <laughs> or, um, we play like yellow car. We play this game called yellow car all the time where you just, if you see a yellow car, you call it yellow car and whoever has the most points wins. I mean, we're, it's, we're like little kids all the time, like always playing games, always like pranking our kids, like not not in a mean way, but like I just still love like laughing until I cry or laughing when it is not appropriate is my favorite. Oh, it's the best. It is my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite feeling in the world. But there's so many opportunities to do it when you become a parent because you find yeah. yourself in all these like sort of formal environments yeah. <laughs> and with teachers and at these kind of like parent socials and things like that and there's just 
there's just so much material to work with to be awkward and inappropriate. <laughs> and all it takes is like a like a side look from my husband on an elevator, you know, like about nothing, and I'm like 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 pretending to cough because I have to laugh, and like tears <laughs> streaming down my face. It's it is just the best feeling. <laughs> It is Ever. the best feeling. So tell me about, have you got a sort of competitive side to mm. your play personality? Because soccer, you mentioned you played in, and that mm. I, I noticed runs through a lot of your work. And, and I think your mm. daughters play as well, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah, they, yeah. No, I would definitely characterize myself as competitive for sure. Um, yeah, like I love, um, you know, we... I love games that are, you know, that, that have a structure and that have, um, have some fun to it. Yes. But I, I mean, I still, a sports for me has always been sort of my outlet. It's funny, as soon as, um, we were on lockdown and, and not really able, my work sort of became secondary, you know, like I wasn't traveling uh, as much and, and, you know, freelance stuff kind of dried up for a bit. Like, you know, like everybody immediately, I was like, okay, I should train for a half marathon. You know, like I I, ha I filled the space very quickly with um, with um, athletics. And, and this is funny, mm. the same thing when I, when I first had my oldest daughter, Ella, who's 16, and I stopped working full time, I did, I did an Ironman. So I was like, wow. I just feel like I, I don't like a lot of empty space and I will try to fill it with, um, if it's not work, then I will fill it with um, sort of some competition that I need to train for. <laughs> yeah, what does the sort of competition challenge side mm -hmm. bring for you? Because it's really interesting because mm -hmm. some people just really don't have that at yeah. all. And for other people, that is just pure joy for them to have that sort of sense of challenge and that sort of like hunger for the competitiveness. What do you get out of that? I love the structure. I like having a goal every day. Mm -hmm. I and and for me, like when I so I'm training for a half marathon right now, and I love um, I love it. Like I love I really love how I feel after a long run. I love yeah. having um, you know having a training plan. I think because I spent my whole life with training plans, and and it feels a little lost just to go work out with no goal in mind. You know, I I like having something to train for. Um, something to focus on, a reason to do it. Because I don't necessarily, like, I'm not running to lose weight. I'm not running to, um, you know, like, for a look or anything. I, it's mm. literally, it's like my therapy. It makes me yeah. feel really, really good. And, mm. um, like, I just, sweating, it's like sweating in some way every day for me is is really, um, like, mm. it's also my alone time. Like, I don't mm. necessarily like to run with other people. Like, I like to put my music on and go. Yeah, um, the solidarity. Yeah. Yeah, there's something just quite powerful about that, isn't there? I like swimming. I swim mm. in the ocean all year round, and I like to go on my own. Um, I always feel like I should join a group because it looks fun, but then I'm like, oh, I just love just being on my own. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> think, too. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, I should, I should run with some other women, and I'm like, I know, I kind of really do enjoy this time by myself. Yeah, well, you know, I have three children, and I think it's it, it's uh, sometimes when I'm spending a lot of time 
parenting I miss myself that's the feeling that I have because I really like my own company and I really enjoy being in my own imagination and Mm -hmm. creativity and when I have those moments like when I'm doing sort of more active Mm -hmm. play swimming or whatever that's when I get to connect with Mm -hmm. with my myself so yeah the summer directory is nice so did you as a kid did you play soccer to like quite a high level did you Mm -hmm. do all the, the the camps and the competitions and things like that yeah I did I played my two older brothers played soccer and so I just wanted to be just like them and yeah I played um on our you know our state team I played I got a college scholarship so it was really like that was really my focus of um like my I was when I was younger it was a it was my big thing like I I loved it I loved um I really enjoyed um playing I I enjoyed practices um, I enjoy, you know, the, the running for the training, like all, all the stuff and mostly the team. I loved, I loved the girls. I loved, you know, the, I, I loved all the play stuff, like messing around, um, with the girls, the jokes, the travel. Um, and I, you know, I'm still like really good friends with, um, a lot of my teammates, um, to yeah. this day. The sort of community side around it or the stuff all around the edges can be, um, really compelling, can't it? Right, right. And what what were the kind of um, things that perhaps you learned or you think were, were sort of really imprinted on you from your time in that soccer culture, if I can call it that, that you've taken into adulthood? I think it's, um, I mean, just like the, for me, the one thing I love about soccer in particular as a sport is it's, you know, it's unlike baseball or golf or, or um other sports that you can kind of get in your head and and really mess yourself up and not have a good game like or baseball or things like that um like with soccer I I loved if you worked really hard you would generally have a good game because if you put forth the effort Mm um and you ran around like you can play defense and maybe your touch is off that day or maybe you missed a shot but there are so many so many opportunities with 90 minutes in a soccer game to continue to work hard that if you worked hard, um, it would show. And, and mm. you know, I think for me, the thing I loved about that was just if you put forth the effort, the results would come. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which I still, to this day, like with everything, like, yeah, you were like, okay, well, maybe, you know, um, I'm not the most talented photographer out there. For sure. I was not the most talented soccer player out there, but I could certainly like put my mind to something and work really hard at it. And the things, you know, that I believe in or the messages I believe in, um, if I want to try to get the message out there, I will work really tirelessly to try and and help share that. Mm. Yeah. And did you carry on playing soccer after college? Yeah, I still play. Yeah. Oh, you do? Good. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you always kept that in your life. Yes. I mean, I actually, for a while, I didn't. And then in the last couple of years, I started to play again. And I always would run and, and, and do triathlons and things like that. But um, I I started to play with co-ed. Some guys that on my daughter's team asked me to play. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. I really enjoyed mm. it. And then um, I... I was asked by a few women to join their league and I really I really did enjoy it um I'm taking a break right now because I'm training for this half marathon and yeah. I, so I would just can I continually like get hurt playing soccer like pulling this <laughs> or that because I am almost 45 
And so I'm like, okay, I have to like focus on this goal first and then I'll go back and mess around and play soccer some more. <laughs> and, and you said you didn't pick up a camera until you became a parent. So what were you doing before for work? Um, so I had a couple of jobs. So I, I worked um, I worked first at CNN, you know, the TV yep. um, as an editor. So I was a video editor there. And then um, I was also, I worked um, right before I had um, my first daughter, I was a producer for an ad agency. I was producing commercials. Um, so all of those, like those things were not necessarily like still photography, but they were all really yeah. centered around making something compelling and beautiful on a screen, which really, yeah. really influenced, like shaped my eye. Mm. Yeah. And then did you um, pursue photography as as a kind of hobby when you became a parent or how did how did that come into your life? Uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I remember I was um, at my sister in law's like lake house and they, my kids were little, little and um, she had a nice camera, like a, a nice camera. And I, t I remember I took one photo with the camera and I was looked at the you know, I looked at like the picture on the back and I was like, Oh wow, that makes a di <laughs> that makes a difference, and I like I it like mm. shifted something in me that I was like, mm. oh, I really would like because I have a I I was also had a terrible memory. I think when my kids were little, I was like everything was changing so quickly, and mm. what they were doing was um was like so fleeting, and I was like wanted to remember it, and so I was like, I remember thinking I was like I'd really like to. I, I asked my husband, I was like. Before I even knew how to shoot manually, I was like, I think I'd like to do this for work. And <laughs> I wow. was like, I asked, I was like, I wanted to take, I was like, let me take a loan out. I wanted $2,000 to start a business. Had not, I did not even have a camera. And wow. I was like, and I wanted it, I was like, I was all set. I was like, I want to borrow $2,000 um, from, basically from like us, but I wanted to pay it back because I wanted um, I wanted this, I wanted this thing for myself. And I, and mm. I really loved just from that one photo, I was like, maybe I can do family photos and maybe wedding photos, maybe one day, you know? And then, um, I got the camera and I literally like it fully invested myself in like how to shoot manually. I remember just like sitting on our couch, shooting my foot because I was trying to get it in focus mm -hmm. <laughs> and I didn't, I never didn't know how, to, I didn't know how like all the all the you know how does this work if i move mm. this way and like let light in and the shutter speed like try, just trying to figure it all out um like i i was like very ill-equipped for what i was trying to do but I, I had this goal in mind of of what i where i wanted to be it's so interesting that you went straight to the job mm -hmm. part you didn't kind of just think i'm gonna just have this as a as a passion or just kind of explore this you went straight to i want to start a business i want to do this as a job i know i have never really thought about that yes but immediately i was just like oh i could do like because i think i was i was struggling with not working and wanted it mm. i wanted um I wanted sort of a purpose and I wanted, yeah. I wanted, also wanted a creative outlet. Like I missed that mm. a lot. And so I was, I was, um, yeah, immediately I was like, this is, I want to do this as a business. Maybe your competitive play personality coming out there a bit as well. For sure. <laughs> Just leaping ahead. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, what am I, like, I looked at the few, at first of the few sessions that I did and I was like, you have no business charging people for this. <laughs> 
I love the confidence though. So when um, <laughs> when you took that first photo, I want to like capture this this kind of moment because this is obviously a moment of play where that happened. You weren't picking up that camera thinking mm-hmm. this is about to change my life. This is going to be my new career. Right. You were exploring, playing, experimenting, and you, when you saw the photo, what what words would you use to describe? like the feeling and like how it felt in your body when those kind of thoughts started materializing. It's funny because I still have that feeling today. It just, it feels right to me. And it, it's, mm. and the other thing that I, I really love about photography is like, I, I tend towards anxiety and I, and I worry about things. And, um, I, and as soon as I have a camera in my hand, I'm okay. Um, and it's it's hmm. so funny. We were we went on this trip recently where we had to like we were going between like we were just on a very tiny plane over water. I hate that so much. So I decided mm. I just decided I was gonna take pictures the whole time in the plane because it was like a ten minute plane ride, and I, because I knew that if I was shooting, I was gonna be fine. And I might, I wouldn't be anxious and it worked. And I was like, oh, and, or if like I'm ever on a shoot where I like, it's a, it's, I don't like heights. If I'm standing up on tall mm. on a ladder. I'm totally fine if I'm shooting something, but take me, do, take the camera out of my hand and I'm like, knees are shaking. And yeah. Do you think that's because, sorry to do like pop psychology analysis no. on you. <laughs> um, do you think that's Bring because it. you're, you're sort of get, you step out of the present and mm-hmm. into creative flow mm-hmm. therefore you're almost on a different like wavelength i think so yeah i think you're i'm like not that the danger is not there or the fear is not there but i'm my brain is occupied and yeah. it's doing like something that i'm like feel supremely confident in and that i yeah. love and so mm. yeah i think it's it's like a it's like a non-medical xanax <laughs> yeah because you would be in play in that moment because mm-hmm. you're not shooting out of that plane to you know that wasn't for like a brief or a project you're not mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. it's just you kind of experimenting so you would be at play doing something just for you for fun right um which yeah is is amazing stuff for our brain so it's interesting that you you find that link there with settling your anxiety right yeah it's a nice little it's a nice little trick yeah yeah um so when you you said that you were feeling a sort of lack of um of a sense of purpose did Mm -hmm. you take quite a lot of time out of work when you had children um yes so i i had so i had ella and then i i was started taking some pictures of her um, I remember like staging a little Christmas shoot with her with a hat and um, and liking what I had done a little bit better than than like I would have seen with um, you know like with family photographers, uh, but not. And then when I and then so I had Alice um, three years later, and in between I was um, you know I was like I was you know fully kind of in like baby world you know pregnant yeah. babies shooting some and then also had done the Iron Man so I was kind of I kind of I was filling my time um, but I did not go back I never went fully back to work um, back yeah. to the ad agency so I was I was home um, and like sort of pl- plotting my uh, my return to the workforce but like with my own business kind of thing 
Yeah, yeah. I found the time after having my first Mm -hmm. child, um, yeah, I kind of had this sense that I wanted to obviously enjoy the experience as much as is possible in those crazy first years. Um, But also, yeah, kind of figure out how do I create a new lifestyle and I I got I get so creative after I have babies it's wild like I almost want to keep having <laughs> to, to tap into this creative energy but yeah oh, I, so I somehow always managed to channel that into into something um and I had the sort of similar feeling I was I felt like I was plotting mm-hmm. um that's the, exactly the sort of feeling that mm-hmm. I had what am I gonna what am I going to do next? So, um, did you were you um, working as a as a jobbing photographer before you started your book project? Um, yes, I was shooting. Um, I was shooting. I had been shooting families. I had been starting to shoot weddings, um, and I had my um, my first because of my um, um, sort of like friends that I had had that I worked with in advertising. I. I had started shooting a few commercial jobs and mm-hmm. realized I was like, okay, that's the direction I would really like to go in. I, I liked that creativity and um, I, I was, um, I felt like that's where I wanted to move into. Um, mm. And then I, be, it's so funny, now I see like this really um, distinct path. I like being competitive and like also being, um, and like I think my athletic background, I would enter competitions a lot because I was mm-hmm. like, well, I want to see is there is this good? I don't know what's good. Like, I like this, but um, I wanted I kind of wanted feedback, and um, so I would enter like these competitions where you know enter your favorite black and white photo or and mm-hmm. and from one of those, um, I had a chance to be um, in a gallery show here in Atlanta, which was a huge deal. For for me, I was really, really excited about it. And um, so it was, um, I had 20 images that I had to print myself and frame myself, which is expensive because they're pretty big. Yeah. But the expectation is, of course, you'll sell them in the gallery and nothing sold in the gallery at all. Not mm-hmm. one single image. They're all literally upstairs in my great room. And- They might sell now. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. You should wheel them back out. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, I'm such a failure. I was so disappointed and like heartbroken. Mm. And then I like flipped this switch where I was just like, no, I understand why, why maybe somebody wouldn't want this in their home. But mm. I still think that there's something important, worthwhile, because all the images were the genesis of Strong Zoo Pretty. It was just like, the girls being wild and the girls being fierce and the girls being and it was just my girls and their friends it was not a wider project at this point and the um so i decided i was like you know what i think people will still want to see this maybe they don't want to hang it in their house but maybe they still want to hear about this read about this whatever so i decided to just like i took um the images i put them in a dropbox i took, uh, I wrote a paragraph about what the images were about, what they meant. Um, and I just started sending it to blogs and places that I followed and nobody responded, nobody responded. And I just decided every single day I was going to find five blogs or five outlets that I thought might want to hear this message. And then one finally ran it. 
And then it started like slowly, slowly, like the places that I had emailed prior who just ignored it were like, oh, we saw this. We'd like to run these photos and do an interview. And then it just started snowballing and it was kind of um, everywhere for a little while. I was on CNN, the Today Show, and um, I had the opportunity to to do the book from that exposure. Um, I had a publisher reached out to me and then an agent reached out to me and we had a chance to do a a book proposal um, and then figured out, you know, which... um, which publisher might be the best fit. It was it was really this huge whirlwind. And the only thing, like it was very s- sort of stressful and 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 like I was like I don't understand what what is the point of all this? Like why I don't I don't want the girls are not going to see this on on whatever BuzzFeed, you know, like so I was the the opportunity for the book was the first time that I was like finally exhaled and was like okay, girls can see this. Like, this is a larger project. I'm like, it was the first thing that made sense to me in, in all of sort of the craziness of, of the, uh, when all the, the shots were everywhere. That's such a cool story. I didn't know that. Uh, and what a great lesson in how to turn around failure. And I love your competitive spirit yeah. coming in there um, and, and the resilience with that. That's so cool. I don't mind to know. I just I just don't like that's a thing. I feel like people, especially women and and create, you know, if you have an idea, if you have things mm. that you are passionate about, do not let the no stop you like. If yeah. you're passionate about it, someone else will be, and you have to either find how to get to them or shift what you are doing in a way that maybe makes more sense. You know, like my my uh, work is not successful as art hanging in someone's home, but shifting it to be like, well, it's a book in someone's home. You know, that's that's just a, yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same message. It's just kind of pivoting a little bit. It's really smart. It's really, really smart. Um, and so wh- what kind of blogs were you targeting? What year was this, by the way? 2014, I think it was. 2014, okay. 2015. So um, I would send it, like, I was just like, whoever. I would go on the websites. I'd send it to CNN. I sent it to New York mm. Times. I sent it to um, Huffington Post. I sent it to, like, any, I would just keep a list on my phone of when I'd read an article and I'd be like, oh, well, maybe. And then I'd go on their website and find their how to contact us. So a lot of times it'd be info at newyorktimes.com or whatever. And then um, like some photography blogs I would send it to. My Modern Metropolis was the first one that ran it. And they are sort mm. of an art and culture blog. And that's the one that um, it sort of snowballed from. Very cool. And what was the the message, the underpinning that you were sharing at the time with those photographs? Did you have uh, a kind of um, like a, a sort of feminist type narrative that went with the images, or how how were you positioning the story behind them? Um, so we, I was just me as a photographer um, wanting to celebrate my girls for who they are. Like for it had started. Um, as a frustration with like children's photography that it's like, especially here, we, we live in the South. Um, a lot of it is smiling at the camera, hair is done, perfect outfits on. And that I didn't want my girls to think that that was beautiful. You know, that, that, that they had to change their outfit, brush their hair, smile for Mm. me to be accepted, to be beautiful. So the pictures were girls, you know, angry, yelling, um, in you know fully encased in like mud head to toe um laughing wild 
Um, I wanted to show sort of all these facets of little girls that we had not seen. And then as, as my girls have grown up and as I've seen, you know, things have changed with social media, um, it was a frustration of, of 99% of the images that we see of women are filtered or facetuned or photoshopped. And mm. we don't really see what women and girls look like or act like or feel. So I was trying to do some, a little bit of honesty with photography. Yeah, I love that. How old are your girls now? Um, Ella is 16 and Alice is 13. So they're fully entrenched in the teenage years now. How, yes. how old are your kids? Mine are a bit younger. So mm-hmm. I've got a 11 uh, year old okay. and a boy, Phoenix, an eight year old girl, Indy. And we went back in. <laughs> We've got Scout, who's 18 months old. Oh, I love that name. <laughs> those, those are great names. Thank you. Um, so your girls, they're kind of like, are they in peak? social media land oh now. yeah yeah we yeah. T- we TikTok, we snapchat we instagram yeah all of it and has your work and i guess them being a part of your work and mm-hmm. um how you have brought this uh the stories that you tell through the photography has that had an impact on them in terms mm-hmm. of how they relate to posting online and perhaps analyzing content on on social media i hope so because i Mm. constantly am trying to tell them you know like that's not her skin like look over their shoulder and be like that's not her skin that is Mm. you know that she's liquefied there like you know like just basic photoshop stuff i'm like she's not that thin um or also just like sort of like trying to get them to view social media or any kind of media was sort of a critical eye to realize, oh, well, they're not that happy. That place was not that much fun. That, you know, just the trying to like tear apart, like get through the veil of the, you know, the curtain a little bit of like, this is everyone's highlight reel. Do not make Mm. this make you feel bad about yourself. Um, And it's funny what you say about, um, you know, the family portrait, comb your hair, Mm -hmm. stand up straight, smile at the camera. And that's what is worthy of putting on the wall in the home. It's almost like um, pre pre grid before there was any kind of social media. Like this is this is what is share worthy. This will what this will be what goes up on the wall. Right. That's that's so true. It is like, um, yeah, our our Christmas card. It's funny. I have um, have a one of my um, friends or neighbors that lives across the street is from South Africa via London. And she is like, not appalled, but sort of like constantly shocked by the Christmas cards every year, the holiday cards every year. It's like, she's like, I, we didn't do that. It was, you know, like that it's these big smiling faces and then like pictures from the whole year on our cards. It would, it, it's basically like an Instagram feet yeah. in in like that you hold in your hand and now it's just nice to get that perspective sometime you're like oh it is a little weird that we send those yeah, out I, I find that weird yes it's, <laughs> I, I think it's maybe nice for the person making it yeah and then and then what we all do here is like you put them on you put them on your fridge and then you and then people yeah. come over the house and they look at everybody's highlight reel it's a lot it's like a it's like a gallery wall of instagram yeah, the real life Instagram. Right. Wow, quite fun, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's it's, but it is funny. Look at you know, you look at your culture from a, like a different lens once in a while. You're like, that is really weird. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we do that. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed that you remember to send the cards, to be honest, because I'm kind of at that level. <laughs> yeah, if I don't have photos, then I've done something wrong. That You know, as a photographer, I'm like, come on, I got to get it. Yeah, the pressure's on, the pressure's yeah. on. Um, so... So the book, the book came out, um, and and obviously you started using your own subjects. They they come in very handy, don't they, for creative projects, children? They do. Um, they do. And 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 then obviously the book has a whole breadth of um, amazing like array of kids into all kinds of different things. How did you go about finding the 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 the, the, the stories and the people behind them in the book? Um, so I generally find the girls or the subjects because I have a, a book for boys as well. Yeah. Um, I generally find them through um, through social media. Um, yeah. And then when I travel for a commercial job or, or travel for, or, or whatever, um, I will reach out to local organizations um, and then also reach out to local or- organizations here in Atlanta. Um trying to make sure that the book does not consist of people that know me or know me tangentially through social media because I want to make sure it's as diverse as possible. So I'll reach yeah. out to like Boys and Girls Clubs or Girls on the Run or um, just local local groups, um, uh, children's hospitals, um, ask, just asking for interesting stories or um, like currently I'm shooting a book about girls and women using their voices and raising their voices. It's called Roar. Mm. Um, I'm really excited about it. So like trying to, you know, um, showcase, um, and then also like, I, I will, I will reach out to people. I see stories that are shared, you know, I follow a lot of like girl empowerment sites and like, I'll just screenshot it and then be like, okay, when I, I want, I would like to reach out to them. I'd like to, I'd like to capture them and and share their story. So, Mm. um, it's sort of like, it's sort of a mixture of, um, social media and then just like outreach on my part trying to um, make sure that it's as diverse as possible yeah and um i actually have a background in children's research i did that for over a decade so part of my job was like going into homes and interviewing kids essentially hanging out with them and i know that that in itself is um a really important part of um your process i assume because the the images that you capture feel really raw and have a sort of um Mm -hmm. like a grittiness to them which uh, cannot be faked (laughs) essentially cannot be performed and yeah I'm just really curious about your process of how you set up the shoots to 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 get those Mm -hmm. those like it's just like you're looking really deeply into like the the dreams the fears the challenges of the of these mm-hmm. these kids in your books how do you create those moments it's sometimes it's it's so much easier when it's like um organic you know if you're yeah. um, but a lot of the, the a, a good cheat i find is shooting them in their own space you know shooting them um whatever um their passion is um trying to figure that out so if it's yeah. like the if they are passionate about chess Let's get you in front of a chessboard. If they're passionate about singing, let's get you where you are singing. Um, 
or if there's if it's more just like I'm trying to get a quote from them or a general quote there's not like this overriding passion that a reason then um like I've just loved shooting kids in their room or shooting them at their house because yeah. they are the most comfortable and um then you also like it helps open up all this other stuff like you look around and you see the things they love and you see their pets and you see their siblings and you just get sort of this um you get a step up a little bit about like learning about them and 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 Ultimately, that's, I feel like that's such a huge responsibility. I want to share their story as accurately as possible and sharing the story through the image um, and be as honest with their, them trusting their sort of their voice to me. So I, mm. I try to be um, as honest as possible and not, um, I cannot, I can <laughs> I can't stand phony. Um, yeah. And I love, love, love honesty and rawness and realness. And so I, I try to um, I try to get that as much as possible with the images. And yeah. I think with kids, it's so much easier because they're so honest and they're so yeah. generally so open. And um, they really appreciate that more, I think, than adults do. Definitely. And I think what I learned is that kids love it when you're interested in their world. And it always really made a, a impact on me as a researcher how kids don't really get asked that much about the things that they are interested in in any kind of deep and meaningful way so my my job was I'd go in there and I'd be with them for one two hours mm -hmm. just talking about Pokemon or yeah. <laughs> um, you know whatever the thing is that that they're into and they love um, narrating their mm -hmm. world um, and, I, and I don't think they often get asked at any great depth about it my, one of the things my kids constantly and probably you know probably influenced me as a researcher the way that I've brought them up but they always ask me when they want to check in with me and they want time from me and they need me mm -hmm. they always say oh can will you come up to my room and ask me some questions oh that's so sweet <laughs> I know it's really adorable Aww. um so you you must have spent quite a lot of hours really um you really banked a lot of hours observing mm -hmm. children at play mm -hmm. to get these photographs what moments really stand out to you um from from that time where you learned something about mm -hmm. children engaging with their passions or being at play um what like i guess one of the things that it's just i feel like they just have this calmness and like joy when yeah. they are um, engaged and making up you know like the imagination is is so great and make you know making up worlds and um and I noticed that when I, when they are doing that if they're playing and they're um they're having fun they totally forget I'm there and then that's I get these the best photos when when they are not aware of the camera because um, it's funny, so many kids are conditioned, um, like, when they see me or they see my camera out, they, like, smile. They stop and smile. Mm -hmm. And I have to, like, coach them. I'm like, no, 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 don't worry. Do not worry about me. Don't look at me. Like, I'll ask them if I want them to look at the camera. But generally, I don't want a smile and look at, you know, look in the lens. Mm -hmm. um, so play is, like, the perfect way um, to sort of combat that awareness of, oh we're actually doing a photo session here you know yeah, it takes them definitely. out of it which is what i really want mm, and we're back to you on your airplane with yes! your anxiety yes! forgetting about what's going on yeah yeah one one thing i i really liked about that some of your images was you had 
the grazes, the dirt, mm-hmm. the, the the I think you had broken broken arms in there the the kind of things that come from uh taking taking risks Mm -hmm. um certainly that was what I remember of childhood like Mm -hmm. you know blood dripping down your knee and Mm -hmm. always like grazing your elbows and as we have kind of moved through time certainly here in England and and I think in the U.S. as well there has been a tendency to remove risk from children's play, um, to um, take away some of those opportunities where um, kids are, you know, navigating um, tricky terrain or, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of taking physical challenges. And I wondered, um, is that something that you thought about when you were capturing those images? Is, are you aware of, that sort of reduction in children taking risks in play um and yeah i just wondered if that was but you were kind of conscious of that with the images that you put into the book well i mean i think it's funny i am um like i said earlier like i i'm a worry wart but um i for my kids i was always we had this motto that's we just said if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough mm. so like if okay if you want to walk on that wall there that's dumb because it's not that safe. But like, I did want my kids to take risks physically. It, it's so funny. Both of my girls are um, like, I feel like too much so. They, they're like not physically yeah. afraid of anything. Same as mine. <laughs> I'm <always> like, <laughs> it backfires, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But I'm like, I'm so, I'm honestly like so in awe of it. I yeah. love it. I love it, you know, but I'm like, how, just put a helmet on or, you know, um, but yeah. they are. I love seeing, I love, because it's not a trait of mine, I'm, like, fearful mm. physically. <laughs> but I, like, I just am in awe of it. I love seeing, I love seeing that, like, full-hearted scream of fear and excitement and, like, I did it or I'm doing it. Um, and, it, yeah, it's, that is honestly, like, one of my favorite things to shoot is, like, right after and during, you know. Like, it's, yeah, it's so magical, isn't right. it? It's, and I think that's some of the things, because you've had this real close-up view of this, and sometimes I often talk about with play, you can't always see what's going on, like, but there's mm-hmm. so much magic happening. And when a kid takes a risk, and when when I'm talking about risk-taking in play, I'm not, I don't mean, like, you know, doing, like, crazy stuff like jumping off buildings. Right. Like for, for one kid, it could be just, you know, getting to the top of the climbing frame right. at the park that they haven't been before. For another kid, it might be, you know, jumping, I don't know, between two pillars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different for everyone. But when they... Um, when they manage that risk, they do that risk assessment, they check in with themselves, they push themselves, they do it, um, they're kind of within their boundaries, like, you know, they're able to do it. And the feeling that they get after doing that mm-hmm. is elation. Right. It's so um, powerful in terms of them building a sense of, um, you know, pushing themselves and mm-hmm also you know navigating failure as well particularly if you didn't do it the first time you get back up again it's all like such deep deep inner work that's happening in those moments um i imagine there were some pretty special times when you got to capture that up close yeah it's it's um it's pretty it's pretty awesome and i i love those things and i i certainly try to like um focus on um 
those physical, like, I, you know, especially with um, the books about girls, because it's something that um, is not always encouraged with girls. You know, like, I, I really love showcasing, like, a roller derby or, um, or capturing the moment. Like, um, there was a little girl that played for our soccer team that had this, like a no her nose basically like bled all over her white shirt and i was just like i love this she's not crying she's just proud mm. of this this blood is everywhere she stayed in the game um and i love those moments that show that grit and the toughness and like the proudness of like got, having gone through the experience mm. yeah it's really powerful um it's 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 interesting to me um the idea of a this photography book that mm -hmm. is shareable between parents and children that's how i used it mm -hmm. i uh, immediately when i saw it i was like i have to get this because there isn't a lot of stuff out there like that and mm -hmm. i obviously like love reading and sharing books with the kids but there's something about pouring over photography and reading these quotes it's it's very much like from kids you know kids just like them um, right. i really really enjoyed that shared experience and it definitely i feel like it played a really important like role with sort of seeding messages particularly to my daughter um in kind of really building her up to understand that you know anything's possible um it was curious to me um you know, thinking about boys, because mm -hmm. I think around the same time, um, there was a lot of female empowerment stuff mm -hmm. coming out, I think, you know, and, and we've had the women's movement, and we've had Me Too, and there's been a really sort of um, a lot of momentum behind um, sort of feminist um, related issues. I mean, there has been forever, but I think particularly, it's been quite intense over a period of time. And I suppose the the more I was kind of consuming this and the more I was sort of like sharing this stuff with my daughter, mm -hmm. um, I was also thinking, ah, oh, like what is going on with boys? Mm -hmm. um, because all of the focus is very much on girls and let's build our girls up. And, right. you know, we want girls to smash these ceilings. We want them to be strong. We want them to be leaders. We want them to be engineers. We want them to kind of, and it was just like, why, why do we have to change the girls <laughs> so much yeah. um like uh, and and it's like we yeah i just kind of craving mm -hmm. um similar levels of momentum about boys because i think it's really hard actually to be a boy at the moment and um i always feel like i don't know slightly uncomfortable saying that because there is still such a gender gap um but we need both sides to close it and I don't know how always how much fun it is actually to be a, a boy in this generation because I feel like there's lots of different ways to express girlhood mm -hmm. now um that are quite sort of socially accepted and almost kind of held up as you know my girl's really she's a leader she's really tough or she's a tomboy these are all kind of like um things that are often quite socially supported but with boys they start expressing softer skills more perhaps mm -hmm. feminine interest um turning away from things like sport or whatever it might be the kind of traditional staples of masculinity i think it's really really difficult for them um so i was really um really delighted to see when you brought out um heart of a boy and i just wondered yeah the the sort of were, were you asked to do that um what were any of these thoughts in your mind like what 
what was because the the language strong is the knee pretty versus mm-hmm. the heart of a boy like it's it's very sort of um yeah suggestive of those sort of social skills so mm-hmm. yeah i'd love to just hear that how that came about and if you have also experienced any similar thoughts like that with regards to how we are uh, reframing boys and girls in 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 this kind of um generation that we're raising oh my gosh i i love that question so much i don't i'm and i'm so sorry but I, the, my call, my next call is in five, in five minutes and they want me to come. They just texted and said, can you come on right now? Because I guess the TV thing, they're pushing it so much. Wow. Thank you so much, um, Kate, for um, joining me. I hope that you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Um, so inspiring, especially to learn about her story where, you know, she'd never picked up a camera before and now she has all these cool books out um yeah i found it really empowering um and i hope that you enjoyed it too that is the end of the podcast today if you want to find out more about uh, me you can follow me on instagram at playful underscore den you can sign up to my patreon to support the pod just search playful den on patreon and we will be back we are now a bi-weekly podcast um which drops every monday and we would really appreciate it if you um follow or subscribe to this podcast tell your people share it with your friends and me and ben will be back next week ben what are you up to you off for a run Mm, yes i'm running i'm running every day this year um emma as you well know I am running. I am trying to run 365 days. What day are you on? Mm, 160 something. It's solstice soon, isn't it? Which is the longest day. So that's my halfway mark. So I'm doing four miles a day and my legs ache. Well, there we go. <laughs> so hey, but if you want to um, keep up to date with the things that I'm doing, uh, follow me over on Instagram at BenFlyingRetro. We can start counting down to next episodes in number of runs for you. Yeah, I'm very um, committed to this podcast now, Emma. (laughs) Thank you for informing us all and thank you for informing me. No, I mean it. (laughs) It's very important for a podcast that you're regular. Yes. And we are going to be regular. We're going to be so regular. (laughs) We've got healthy, fibre-based podcast diets. (laughs) We are going to be regular. And we will see you in our next um, fibre drop (laughs) Um, soon. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, We are the people who play. Don't forget, live playfully. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.